years ago now, John Peterson was a highly sought-after evangelistic musician. He led a lot of singing and revivals and crusades and that kind of thing. And I heard a recording one time of his telling the story of how he wrote that song. Uh, he had been leading a service and, you know, it was particularly good service. Revival really broke out and they began to have testimonies, you know, begin to testify about God's goodness, particularly in regard to their salvation. And one of the men there said uh, that when he was saved, it was just like heaven came down and glory was all around, made a comment like that. And Peterson went back to his hotel room that night with that on his heart and he wrote that beautiful song. Um, it, it's got some deep theology in it. And so I pulled it up here because, you know, sometimes we get in a rhythm of singing songs and we like the melody, particularly a song like that that has a little bit of a pep to it, you know, feel-good song. And sometimes we just don't think about what we're singing but I love that stanza that says, Born of the Spirit with life from above into God's family divine, justified fully through Calvary's love. What does it mean to be justified? Yeah, it means to be made pure, really. Someone taught me years ago, and it's stuck with me over the years, you can break that big term justification down to little bite-sized syllables and understand that it means just as if I've never sinned. And that's what God has done for it. He, he has made us just as if we've never sinned, justified fully. When we try to bring up a sin to God, he says, what sin are you talking about? It's gone. As far as the east is to the west. That's beautiful terminology too, isn't it? Gorgeous picture. How many of you know why scripture says as far as the east is from the west instead of as far as the north is from the south? Because east and west never meet. You get it, don't you? If you circumnavigate the globe, you go east, you're always going east. If you go west and you don't turn around, you're always going west. There's no pole, east to west. There's a pole in the north, and when you cross the north pole, you start going which direction? South. So there's a point where south and north meet at both poles. So east to the west means that there is no meeting point. That's beautiful, isn't it? There's no point where our sins ever meet up with God. They're gone if we're justified fully through Calvary's love. And then he writes, And the transaction so quickly was made, when as a sinner I came, took of the offer of grace he did proffer, he saved me. Oh, praise his dear name. Billy Wayne, you picked a good one tonight. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, that's not really what we're going to talk about, but... I wanted us to think about what we had just sung. I think that's important. Hope you're doing well. Happy Valentine's Day. We've talked about Valentine's quite a bit over the weekend and uh, in other places, but this, this is it. This is the day. And girls, you need to tell me, was he okay to you? All right. If not, we can talk. You can call, you can text. I will uh, plead your case. You can get a eight five nine five five six zero six zero seven, but don't call her until about ten o'clock because I've not seen her yet today. I've not uh, not done that. I I've been teaching and. Got back from there and 
anyway, it's been a long day, but the, the night's yet young, okay? And there is a prize, as our oldest son used to say when he was little, a surprise. Do I get a surprise? Well, there's a surprise in my car, and it shall be delivered once I get y'all out of my hair tonight. <laughs> well, it is Valentine's Day, and let me just say from my heart that I love you, and I'm thankful for who you are and for what God is doing in our lives. So let me just be honest with you up front tonight. I've had a really, really hard day, just emotionally. It's been a tough day, and um, you know, it is what it is. The journey is still relatively new, and we're experiencing all the firsts with everything. And I don't know, this one, I don't know, it's just been like a gut punch kind of day. So appreciate your prayers. But I just want to say, as I've said many times, that grace really is sufficient, and his strength is made perfect in our weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. That's my life verse right now, and I cling to it, and I live it, thankful for the truth of it, but it has been a tough one, just has. Um, who has good news to share? Help me. Tell me some good news. Tell me something good. <laughs> who has something good? You better tell it. You don't want me to sing. Hey, Miss Judy. That, okay, that's okay. Uh, but for Valentine's Day, I got to go to Pippa Passes, Kentucky. That's all right. That's all right. Amen. Who else? Laura, you're back. Good to see you. Who else? Kevin. Amen. Amen. Good word. Thank you for sharing. Somebody else? Mr. Hank? That even do the obstacles, God will get you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, even, I'm just honest with you, it's been a tough day, but even on the tough day, what would it be like if we did not have his presence? We didn't have the peace that passes understanding and all those good things that we have in him. Amen to that. Who else? Yes, sir. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. They didn't leave any of that atomic stuff in you or anything, did they? <laughs> Amen. Thank you for sharing. Who else? Anybody else? You didn't hear that. Uh, Carrie is saying that Mr. Alex got an email today saying that he's on the dean's list. Amen. That's good. Uh, there are some other lists. And so when you're on that list, that's good. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Thank you. Anybody else? You'll have to ask him what he said. I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> uh, he said that we have a pastor. So, amen. Who else? Yes. Yes. 
thankful for one another. Fellowship is sweet, isn't it? Anybody else? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's a special place. It really is. I, I didn't really know much about it. I'd heard about it and that kind of thing until several years ago when we lived in Hazard and was over that direction and connected with some of those good folks. And it's a very, very special place. Yes. Yes. Okay. 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 Yeah. Well, very good. But he passed. He did. Amen. That's great. Anybody else? Amanda says, thanks for your kindness. Amen. Anybody else? All right. That, that does me good. I hope it does everybody for us just to come together and begin to express our gratitude to the Lord. Uh, let's go ahead and have our quiet prayer time as we've done in the past, and I'll just guide you through it. Most of you by no, no what by now know what I'm going to uh, suggest, uh, ACTS, Acts, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication, praying for God to supply the things that you need or someone you know of what he or she needs. So let's, let's just bow our heads and begin from our hearts just to adore the Lord. Tell him how much you love him and praise him for who he is not just for the things he does in your life, but just for who he is. Confession, if there's something you just need to admit to the Lord, take a moment to do that. We've adored God just for who he is, but let's take a moment now and thank him for all these many blessings we have. Scripture says we have not because we ask not. So take a moment tonight to ask God for the needs you have. Maybe you're aware of the needs someone else has. Ask God to supply those needs.
Dear Lord, we want to come to you tonight as a family of faith and just thank you for your goodness to each and every one of us. Thank you, Father, that we've had a few moments just to go around the room and share, Lord, your handiwork in our lives. Thank you for each of these testimonies. We praise you for each person and everything that's been mentioned tonight. Uh, God, you're so good to us and you give us so much that if we had the rest of the night until it became tomorrow morning, we could sit and just talk about all of those many blessings. And so, Father, we praise you for it tonight. The greatest blessing we have, Lord, is what you've given us through your Son, Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of our sins. Father, if we didn't have any other blessings, Lord, that right there would be quite enough. And we want to praise you, Lord, that you looked down on us, saw us in our need, our most desperate need, our most basic need. And even before you created the world, you purposed in your heart that you would send your eternal only begotten son who would come to this earth and do for us that great work of love, become sin for us on the cross so that in him we might become righteous. So Lord, it is a good thing for us to come in in the middle of this week and sing a song like, Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Thank you, Father, for what you've done in saving us. Father, I pray as we have a few moments tonight to look at your word, that God, you would uh, open our hearts and our eyes, our minds. Father, help us to leave this place in a few moments, not just acknowledging run-of-the-mill, everyday kind of love that we talk about so much, but Lord, help us to leave here experiencing your love, the greatest love of all. We praise you and we thank you for it in the name of the Lord Jesus and amen. So we have Valentine's Day on a Wednesday night. And as I was thinking about tonight, I just can't go back to our historical study. We will next week, Lord willing, but it's not every Wednesday night that Valentine's Day falls on it, right? It's just not. We've had an unusual year that way because back at Christmas time, Christmas Eve fell on a Sunday and then New Year's Eve fell on a Sunday and here we are February the 14th, which means the year's already starting to move along, right? Filled out one month, halfway through the next month, before we know it, it'll be 2025. But here we are on February the 14th on Valentine's night. And I have to talk to you about love. So if you have your copy of Scripture, and we'll put the verses up on the screen as well, let me encourage you to open up your Bibles to the letter First John, not the Gospel of John, but toward the back of the New Testament. Find the letter of First John, make your way to chapter 4, and then in just a moment, we're going to begin reading from verse 7 and read down through verse 8 as we just think about the kind of love that we participate in. We've received it. We give it. It's a wonderful love. And so on Valentine's night, we just got to talk about this love. I wish all of you could have known my papa. I hope some of you had a really, really fine papa. Nothing like a good papaw. You know, my dad was a good papaw to my boys and also my niece and my nephew. And dad would say what many of you have said probably. He would say, if I'd have known how grand it is being a papaw to grandchildren, I would have tried to have done that first. It doesn't quite work that way. But I had one like that too. And I think I've told you maybe in passing, that the early years of my life, all through my early childhood, I grew up 
right across the street from my grandparents, my mother's parents. Again, they were Papa and Mama. That's who they were. And we just had a special thing. Now, I had a lot of cousins. My mom was one of 12 surviving siblings. So it was a big family. In fact, mom was one of the youngest. She was the very next to the youngest. And her oldest sibling, my my Aunt Wanda, had a son that was actually older than my mother. So mom grew up having a nephew that was a few months older than she was. But uh, big family, so I had all kinds of cousins, and we grew up where your cousin was more like a sibling, more like a brother and sister than, you know, just a first cousin. Great environment to grow up in, but uh, my mamma loved me the best. I just want you to know that up front. <laughs> mamma and papa loved me the best because, again, I was one of two, my sister being the other, that had that immediate access to mamma and papa. Mamma loved me so much that she would take hold of me and she would squeeze me. And y'all can't call me this, but she had a nickname for me. She called me Pujo. <laughs> and Mamma would squeeze me up and she would say, <laughs> and I wish I could hear it again, and I will one day, but she would squeeze me so tight and she would look me in the eye and she would say, Pujo, I love you so good. <laughs> Tell you how good she loved me. I loved bugles and I still like to snack on bugles every now and then. But back in the 70s, bugles came in a box. Y'all remember that? Sort of like a cereal box. And here's what you need to know. Don't ever tell my other cousins this, okay? I had my own box of bugles, and Mamma kept them hid <laughs> so that the others couldn't get into them. I'm telling you, she spoiled me. Uh, but Papa uh, was always fun, and he had ways of putting things And I'm thankful that, you know, he survived well into my teenage years, uh, well into the time, you know, that we'd start bringing girlfriends and boyfriends and that kind of thing. And and he would love, I mean, he lived to embarrass you in front of your girlfriend or boyfriend. I remember the first time, and I heard him do it so many times, but, you know, it was the first for me, first time I brought a girlfriend to Mamma and Papa's, Papa would say, hmm, do you love her? <laughs> I was like, Papa, I don't know. And he would look and he would say this. He said, you ought to tell her, honey, I love you little. I love you big. I love you like a little pig. <laughs> That's what Papa would say. He would say that. And then he would go into the next thing. It was predictable. He did it to all of them. And he, he would say this. He would say, love sure is a funny thing. It's shaped just like a lizard. It'll wrap its tail around your throat and make a beeline to your gizzard. <laughs> that was Papaw. He would talk about love. And then he also would love to take you out on, uh, you know, a summer day back to the backfield in his farm there and look and pluck a wild daisy. And Papa was the one that taught us, you know, about pulling the little leaves off the wild daisy, you know. He would say, Pujo, if you really want to know, if, if she loves you, you got to do this. She loves me, she loves me not. But he taught me how to rig it. Did you know you can rig it? Yeah. So tell the young people in your life that they can rig that because you pull all of them off and if it gets down to the final three and it looks like it's going to turn out unfavorably, you pull two off at once. <laughs> all right. So that was Papa. He loved to talk about love. He loved to tease us about those things, but love really is not a joking matter, is it? Love is a very important thing, and it's defined for us 
in one of the most profound ways right here in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. We used to sing a little song in Sunday school. Beloved, let us love one another. Some of you may remember that. Well, Scripture says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God, and he who does not know God, or he who does not love, rather, does not know God, for God is love. How many times have you quoted that last little phrase of 1 John 4, verse 8? God is love. You've probably quoted that many times, or at least you've heard it quoted And that is, and we're going to see this together tonight, the source of love really is God. So here's what I want to do. I'm just going to pull these verses apart phrase by phrase, and we're going to consider each one and talk about them, uh, offer any interjection that you might have. If you have a question, we'll just dialogue about these beautiful verses as we think on this Valentine's night about love. So he starts out and he says, Beloved, let us love. And so I want us just to consider that phrase, Beloved, let us love. Here's what I want you to know. If you were able to read the Greek New Testament here, we've been talking about that on Wednesday nights, how the New Testament was first of all written in Greek, and we have compilations of all of that. But if you were to be able to read the Greek New Testament, those first few words, beloved, let us love, are actually just two words. And here's a very literal translation of it. Loved, love. Now, does that make sense to you? Loved, love. In other words, those of you who are loved, love. Because God is the source of love. Since God, as the source of love, has loved you, then you can love one another. So loved, love. We love one another the way that God wants us to, because we have first of all experienced his love. Now this is important, and you've heard this so many times that any one of you can stand up here and teach it yourself, but it's important for us to think about it as we think about the vastness of these two verses. Back to the Greek language. The Greeks had several different words that are, ye, that are each translated as love in the English language. Told you that before. You've heard other Bible teachers and preachers tell you that. There's four big ones that you can find in the New Testament. One of them is the most profound. You know where I'm going with this. There's storge love, which is the least common word that's translated as love that you find in the Greek language. And right here's a beautiful picture of it. I don't mean to single y'all out, but they're right here in my face. Here's Carrie, and here's the champion right here. And so it's a beautiful thing that I can look and I can see a mother loving, holding her son. That's storge love. Now it becomes a deeper kind of love that we'll talk about in just a moment. But storge is that familial type of love, the deep love that a mother has for her child or the father has for his wife and his children. Storge love. Then, of course, you know, there is phileo, which is where we get the root for our city, Philadelphia, which literally means what? The city of brotherly love. If you go to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania these days, you'll really call that into question if it's properly named. Is that really a city of brotherly love? But it's what it means at least. And so phileo love, 
is, is just the kind of general love that we have for our fellow man that makes us want to be good citizens, that makes us want to do things for our neighbors. Just general, brotherly, sisterly love, phileo love. Of course, on Valentine's Day, we're celebrating eros, which is the kind of love that a husband has for his wife and the wife has for her husband. It's a beautiful type love, and we're thankful for it. Amen, men? Amen. I'm trying to help you guys. Yeah, we say amen to that because, you know, the Old Testament says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And brothers, we know tonight that in our wives, the Lord has given us a, a good thing, you know, something that completes us, something that is profoundly wonderful. And so we express that. The husband does to his wife the wife does to her husband, Eros love. But you know, the one that I'm going for is agape love, agape love. And here's the thing. You really can't understand agape love until you know something about God. Because agape love is the love that God shows us. It's a love that never assumes. It's a love that always sees the best in the person that you're giving that love to. It's a love that self-sacrifices. It's a love, listen to me closely, that is not natural. This kind of love is not a natural kind of love because naturally... We're very self-centered, right? That's who we are in the flesh. That's who, we all love little babies, but how self-centered is a baby? You know, they are. They get a dirty diaper and they cry until it's changed. They get hungry, they cry until they're fed. When was the last time you fed a little baby and he or she looked up to you and said, much obliged. Doesn't happen, does it? Because, number one, they can't do that. But if they could, they wouldn't because they're the center of their own world. Now, let me ask you this question. Agape, and again, it's repeated. It's, this is not how it's constructed in the Greek, but I'm going to say it in a way that we can understand really what John writes here is agape 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 you've felt the love of God the love of God that sacrificed his own son for your soul the love of God that's benevolent to everyone who does God do good things for? The Bible says that it rains on who? The just and the unjust. Sometimes that's misquoted. Often people will say about, you know, a harsh life event, you know, a hard thing. It can come to the just and the unjust, which is true. But that's not what Scripture means. It just means this. If God is sending the rain cloud over two farms, and the farm on the east is, is taken care of by a good, holy, righteous guy, a good farmer, and the farm on the west is farmed by a terrible farmer, an evil farmer, who gets the rain? Both of them. So God loves in that kind of way, that he gives it to everybody regardless of how much they may or may not deserve it. The bottom line is this. None of us deserve that kind of love from God. None of us do. But agape, agape. God sacrificed for you. God didn't assume anything by giving you his love. 
God doesn't take away his love when you're bad, nor does he love you more when you're good. That's agape love. We've experienced it. Let us give it to one another. So, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. That's how we can do it. That's how we can put someone else's interests above our own is because we've experienced it from God. So notice again what the verse says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God. Those of us who truly love the way that John is talking about here are those of us who have been born of God. Now, this is a great word on love, but what's an even greater verse on love? There you go. I'm hearing it. John 3.16. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, let me ask you this. What is the conversation that precipitates that verse? Jesus is talking to who? Nicodemus in John chapter 3. So if you just want to scoot over there for a moment, let me just walk you through very quickly a couple of things from John's gospel chapter 3. The Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees in verse 1 named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things unless God is with him. So obviously, Nicodemus is on a fact-finding mission with Jesus, isn't he? He's wanting to discover more about this Jesus. He's saying, we know that God has sent you because nobody else could heal the way you're healing people. Nobody else could teach the way you're teaching people unless that the Lord, the God of heaven, had sent them. So I want you to see that that really Jesus doesn't give Nicodemus an answer, but he really gets to the heart of the question. Jesus knew what was really on Nicodemus's mind, and that was ultimately, if you are the Messiah, would you teach me how to be rightly related to God? And Jesus answered him in verse 3 and said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now I want you to connect that to what we read here in 1 John chapter 4. Everyone who loves can love why? Because they're born of God. Agape love. You can give agape love, self-sacrificing, unassuming, committed, eternal, immutable love only when you have been born of God. Now, am I saying that people who are not saved, people who are not Christians, am I saying that they cannot love? I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that they can't love this way because this is supernatural love. And that's what Jesus is teaching Nicodemus there in John chapter 3, that something supernatural has to happen within you for you to be able to love this way. You must be born again. Of course, we know that Nicodemus doesn't understand that. He asks him in verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What does that mean? When Jesus says, you must be born of water and the Spirit is not 
as some people has, have misunderstood it, it's not a reference to water baptism, but it's a reference to natural baptism, uh, natural birth. Excuse me. It's a reference to natural birth. Uh, when, when a child is born, the fluid is there and there's a water birth. So you must be born of water. That means you're alive. That means you're a person. But Jesus, describing the new birth, says you must be born of the Spirit. In other words, God's Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation does a work in your heart. You receive God's love, and because you are one who has received God's love, which again is agape love, you've been born of God and you know God, Therefore, you can love. So, the Bible says again in 1 John chapter 4 that when you're born of God, you know God. I want to tell you this, that word know, there's different words again in the Greek that that can be translated as know, K-N-O-W. One is just basic knowledge. You know, just getting around horse sense, basically. But there's another word that means experiential knowledge. I know this not because everybody knows this, but I know this because I have experienced it. Do you know something now that you did not know before you experienced it. Don't we all? Have you gone through something in life that was a new experience for you? It could be something as traveling to a new place and you can say something like this, because I I traveled to the Northeast, I know it, I've seen it. Maybe you read about it before, but you hadn't experienced it. So now you know it because of experience. In my life, we know things now that we didn't know before this past April because we've experienced something we've never experienced before. That's what John is talking about here. You know God. You have experienced God. Henry Blackaby wrote that great study, and I know that some of you have been through it because we've talked about it, but experiencing God, transformative study. How many of you have ever studied that? I think you did it as a church, somebody told me here one time. And and it is absolutely transformational. Uh, Dr. Blackaby just went home to be with the Lord a couple of days ago. And the whole premise of that study is Find where God's at work and join him. And when you're joining God, wherever he's at work, you're experiencing God. That's it in a nutshell. We know love because we know God. We've been born of God. There's been that transformation that's taken place in our hearts and lives. And we've experienced God. And because we know and have experienced God... We can give the God kind of love. We can sacrifice for the benefit of somebody else. We can let other people have their way. We can put other people first because God in Jesus put us first. And then he gives us a clue for us to think about our own salvation. Notice what he writes In verse 8, he who does not love does not know God. He that does not give agape love, sacrifice for others, that type of love, you don't know God. Some people ask the question, how do I know whether or not I'm saved? You ever heard that question? Have you ever pondered that question yourself? Right here's one of those ways. If God has given you in your heart the ability to love the unlovable, to sacrifice for the benefit of others, 
to love them the way that God has loved us. It'll never be perfect because we're not perfect people. But if we don't have that basic desire in our hearts to put others first and love them the way that God has loved us, Scripture very clear, isn't it? Then we don't know God. That has a lot to say about forgiveness, doesn't it? The basis of forgiveness is really agape love. Some people have trouble with forgiveness because they don't know love. They've not been saved. But if you've been saved, you can forgive. Someone once said that we ought to be able to forgive the inexcusable in others because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. I can testify to that. God has forgiven me for some very inexcusable things and I'm not in that club alone. We're all in the boat together there. And so if we've experienced that, that God out of his love has forgiven us completely and totally to hold nothing against us anymore, as we talked about earlier, referring to heaven came down and glory filled my soul, you know, to be forgiven in that kind of way, when we've experienced that, out of that experience, we can give that to others. We can forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. And then you have that final definitive word, God is love. God is love. Here's what I want you to hear me say tonight. On this Valentine's night, relish in the fact that God really, really does love you. I think being a preacher of the gospel, it's harder sometimes for me to convince people that God really loves them than it is for me to convince them that God's ready to lay the smack down on them. Honestly. You know, it's easy for me to say some things to make you and me feel very guilty. You know, when was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Are you reading the Bible the way you should? Are you praying the level you should be praying at? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? I could ask a series of questions like that and we'd all feel about that big, right? That's easy for us to do. Sometimes it's a lot more difficult for me to convince you that, hey, despite those things, and we all know that we're not perfect yet, right? I mean, Amy thinks I am, but other than that, (laughs) we all know that we're not perfect yet, We get that. We do those things. We don't do things we should do. It's like the Apostle Paul described. You know, he he described that there's this war that's going on within him. He talks about there's things that I should do that I don't do. There's things that I should not do that I go ahead and do. Oh, what a wretched man I am. And we can all sing with Paul in harmony there. But in spite of that, God loves us because he is love. God is love. So I don't want you to walk away from our time together tonight feeling guilty, but I want you to walk away tonight just relishing the fact that despite you, God loves you. In spite of all the things that you do that you shouldn't do and the things that you should do that you don't do. In spite of all of that, God loves you because God is love. Now, let me say this before we close. Because God is love, he does care what we do. He does care what we say. The fact that God is love does not eliminate his holiness. The fact that God is love, it doesn't eliminate his righteousness. It doesn't eliminate his perfect justice. 
All of those are still a part of who God is, but he balances that and he doesn't strike us down because he loves us. And because he loves us, he sees us not for who we used to be and frankly, not even for who we are right now, but who we're going to be when we're glorified. That's how God sees us. We, we do the same thing, parents, don't we, with our children? If I didn't love my boys, I wouldn't have disciplined them. Honest. It's a lot easier to just be passive and just let them go. Uh, that's why our school teachers and people who work with young people, that's why they have so many problems these days because Parents don't love their children enough to do the hard things. God loves us enough to do the hard things. God will take us to the woodshed when we need to go. God will warn us when we're headed the wrong direction. God will do all of those things, but why does he do it? Because he is a God of love. Let me throw in one more thing and then we'll take a look at our prayer list tonight. I just want to say this. Because God is a God of love, all people can be reached by his grace. All people. Uh, I, I love, I'm going to give you one little quote here from Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon said, never let it be thought that any sinner is beyond the reach of divine mercy so long as he is in the land of the living. Did you get that? Let me repeat it one more time. Never let it be thought that any sinner is beyond the reach of divine mercy as long as he is in the land of the living. As long as somebody's alive, as long as they're pulling breath into their lungs, they're never beyond the reach of a loving God. And aren't we all thankful for that tonight? That we were not beyond the reach of God's love. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God. He who doesn't love does not know God because God is love. Amen and amen to Brother John in 1 John 4, 7 and 8.